I, I need to ease into Superman against the Orient. I can't just <laughs> face it. I told you it would be interesting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 You're a man of your word. Okay. I didn't say good. No, 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 no. I did no. not say good. It's not even I caught you in a technical lie. You, <laughs> everything you said was literally true. It wasn't, you know, complete. There were, there were some sins of omission. <laughs> well, but, mind you, okay, okay. I wish to point out, and I will even say this on record, but I will even say this before we start, that when I sent you that text, I had only watched the first 10 minutes of the movie. Oh, you had no idea, did you? I oh. had no, no. This was even, today was even more of a joy than actually hearing that theme song. So, the so theme- Scott, Scott, did, did Jeff blindside you at three o'clock in the morning with a text too, saying to watch it? That's his MO. Yeah. 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 It was not <laughs> that late when I talked. As a matter of fact, Scott, you texted me no. saying, do you have any ideas for the UMC? And it was during the day. So, Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I I have been roundly rebuked and rightly so. <laughs> All right, you guys can yell at me in a second. Let's talk about normal stuff first. Oh, we will. Slum, 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 gullion. Slum, gullion. We've got season two of the slum, gullion. Jeff and Scott still host the slum, gullion. I still don't know what that word means. And welcome to the Slumgullion, America's only podcast. I'm Scott Clevenger. Three hours in the future is Jeff Holland. And joining us is Slumgullion and Ask Jam veteran, novelist Indy McDaniel. Welcome, Indy. Hello. So good to have you. We wanted to get you back for a while, but you've you've got a video podcast or a vlog or whatever the terminology is on YouTube called Random And Dealings. I kept saying no. <laughs> and Jeff kept saying no. Yeah, I wasn't gonna. Um, but yeah, Indy, be a whore. Whore your show. So, whore your show. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a YouTube channel called Random Viewings, which has currently two ongoing shows, kind of whatever YouTube calls them. Uh, one's kind of a free form. Me and usually my wife watch a movie, and then we record our thoughts afterwards. And the other's a more organized style, like targeted show called Calton Horror Corner where I watch Calton horror movies and then write a review and then record it. And sometimes uh, there's specialty reviews like the month of November. Yep. And then, and then currently we're in the month of Triple Xmas where I'm re- I'm competing softcore versus hardcore pornography and it's been a lot of fun. Is it really Merry is that Christmas, really guys. is that really any kind of a competition? Uh well, <laughs> depends depends what you mean. Because yeah, you might be surprised. Like, I, I'm comparing them based on total number of sex scenes. Oh, within the oh, film. okay, okay. Those actually are well, as as Jeff and I learned when we watched those two hillbilly softcore films from the early '70s. There's pretty much nothing but sex scenes because otherwise you'd have to watch people act. I guess that's true. Right, hardcore too. And, and and that's honestly how. Like, spoiler alert for for the whole thing, but. uh Softcore is kicking hardcore's ass. Wow. Like, as far as like quantity of the film devoted to sex, they're probably about neck and neck. But in terms of actual like different sex scenes, mm-hmm. softcore is blowing them out of the water. Well, my God, look at the uh, look at the filmography. I can't believe I just used that word for this person of Shannon Worry. 
I think yeah. you mean, I think you mean the ouvre. <laughs> that's a better word. Yes. Or or what's or, or or another Shannon Shannon Tweed for that matter. Yeah. Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed did rule the uh, the VHS uh, racks at the uh, at the Blockbuster for a long time in the 1990s. Shannon Weary, though, kudos to you. I had completely forgotten she existed, even though I think I've seen every one of her movies. I I remember my cheesy 80s softcore porn very well. Apparently so. Well, here's hey, something hey, we... Night Eyes, man. Oh, Night man. Eyes hey, was Ni- a great movie. Night Eyes founded an entire uh, empire. Um, <laughs> we actually did. We we actually have a, a we have a chapter in Better Living the Bad Movies about uh, direct-to-video yep. sex films in the 1990s, and there was yep. a certain similarity. Uh, to all of them, one of the one of the similarities being that they almost always seem to sh- star a woman named Shannon or Shauna or some something very <laughs> yeah, similar. Yeah, Shauna O'Brien. I just what? watched one of her flicks. Oh, last that's time. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And the other the, the thing that Jeff and I noticed in the Hillbilly Softcore films were that because they were trying to avoid showing penetration, they were really limited in the number of. Um, positions they could show you so i think hardcore probably has uh more variety as far as well uh kind of again it's a weird mixed bag like in terms of probably the positions hardcore has more variety but it's also i think based on the limitations they have with softcore Mm -hmm. they had to get more creative with the camera which makes it more visually interesting usually a lot of hardcore it's just like well zoom in on the penetration Right. Hold on that shot for thirty minutes. Okay, yeah. we're good. Also, they once again, Merry Christmas, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, one last thing I will say that the the softcore films also did uh, stress uh, different venues. They did try to put people in uh, in sexual situations in different because they couldn't provide much visual variety. They yeah. they had them screwing on boats, on ladders, on staircases, at the post office, whatever. Um, tied up in vans. Up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another 70s genre that I think we've probably seen too much of. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I, I, compar- oh. I compared one of them. Uh, was it Famalian? I watched oh, the other Famalian. night. Famalian. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> yes. Merry Christmas. But like I compared that one to, it really felt like one of those old uh, FMV video games, where oh. the the main character is just going through random scenes, clicking on different characters until she unlocks the hidden sex scene. Like that's <laughs> what it felt like. I think we're going to call this episode Spank Bank. <laughs> this is why you don't invite me on anymore. Because <laughs> that's why it's, I kept saying no. <laughs> we're three and a half minutes in. We're already overdrawn at the Spank Bank. Um. <laughs> well, it's better than being overdrawn at the memory bank. Oh, but I'm bomb. What isn't? <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's get away from that. Let's tiptoe away from that. But <laughs> if you haven't checked out uh, Indies 2 series on YouTube, highly recommended. Very entertaining. So aside from hardcore and softcore, which you have uh, a professional reason to watch and I assume can um, deduct on your taxes, what else have you what else have you seen lately Andy? Uh I actually recently I may get hate for this. I don't give a shit. Uh mm-hmm. I got into uh Z Nation. Oh, I've heard that's good. Actually, I've heard that's funny. I like the show too. Oh, I love it. Like yeah. one ep- one episode in I was like I 
now no longer even retroactively i hate the walking dead show now i thought i remember watching season one at the end of season one i've been talking to the the uh, producer of that show on twitter and that's one of the things that i said to him i said hey congratulations dude you accomplished more in season one of z nation than three years of walking dead right like that was that was the first thing i noticed like shit that took walking dead seasons of dragging it out unnecessarily z nation covers in one fucking episode and they move on unlike walking dead i like the characters i actually find the conflict interesting the effects may not be as good but honestly the stories are better so who gives a fuck yeah and then they're completely insane like the the just the variety of zombies they've put into it alone is just so much fun it's definitely the best thing to come out of the asylum, and I can't believe yeah. I just uttered that sentence. Oh, yeah. it's from that's Asylum? That's why I stayed away from it. Yeah, it's yeah. Asylum produced. Yep, yep. Yeah. And that's why I stayed away from it for so long, because I was like, oh, it's Asylum's knockoff Walking Dead show. I'm sure this will be terrible. I watched the pilot when it aired only because, and this is true, I watched it because one of the guys from Lost was, oh, in, yeah. was in it. And yeah. I thought, I'll watch it for Michael. And Michael dies in the first episode. But I got into the story. You, you Unlike the Walking Dead series, fuck you for ruining the comic, I actually got into that story of Z Nation. I'm like, I fucking love, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but the guy who's supposedly the cure. Oh, uh, Murphy, basically. Murphy. I yeah. fucking love him. House MD, the zombie. Yes. <laughs> so, Jeff, how long do you... Stuck with Walking Dead for a while, though, didn't you? No, I went. I kept. I kept coming back when they were getting into storylines from the comic that were. I really enjoyed just to see how they would do it, and I'd be there for two episodes, and then the show would piss me off again. Oh, I've had so many relationships like that. <laughs> I know. I know you're saying. I, I came back. I watched a couple of episodes with Negan. Like I said, as much mm-hmm. as I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I'm like, okay, you're doing the same goddamn thing that you've done since the beginning of this show. I hate the way you tell a story. I'm done. Oh, actually, yes. I need to bitch for a second, if I may. Everyone sit down. <laughs> okay. Uh, fuck EA. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I may join you in this. <laughs> now. Here's why I'm going to say fuck EA. Now I've been I've been pretty much just uh, bitching about EA on Twitter, just on the b- very principle of the Star Wars loot boxes, which the, the whole system is disgusting. But then, thanks to a kind friend of mine who paid the money, um, I got to play the single player campaign, which is what I wanted to play. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay, now first off, here's even more why I'm saying fuck EA, besides the whole microtransactions. And I really hope they lose the Disney, the, the Star Wars license. I really do. That would be awesome. But anyway, the single-player campaign um, gives you that Iden Versio, the Imperial Soldier. And I'm going to go into spoilers here, folks. Deal with it. And... Um, the whole like beginning of the game is from her point of view, and it's absolutely fascinating seeing things from an imperial point of view okay like the first couple of levels and the cutscenes are just endlessly fascinating but then you shift and play other classic characters to quote unquote show what they're doing in this time period but dude the only reason these scenes are in the game is so you can go oh wow these characters are cool i can't wait to play them in multiplayer ah And it's so fucking obvious that they did this design just so you could play the characters 
just in the multiplayer and you know start doing your little gambling thing. But the worst part of all, the absolute worst shame. Oh, this pissed me off so much. She fucking converts. What'd you expect? What did you expect? I know I was hoping, you know, I was genuinely hoping with starting off with such a neat idea that they were going to keep going that route. I mean, I didn't think they were going to kill everybody in Rogue One. Okay. But again, but then again, that's Disney. This is EA and EA is officially the Konami of America. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say that EA bought Bioware. So they also own the Star Wars, the Old Republic MMO now. And they have introduced this loot box business into it and it's not it's not pay to win it is mostly just cool stuff but it is clearly and unambiguously gambling i know ea is deathly afraid of having any a government organization take official notice of this practice and say look we've outlawed playing poker in some virtual casino in in sri lanka why shouldn't we outlaw this you're still getting kids to grab mommy's credit card to spend money to gamble. And they, they, as much as they don't want to admit it, there is no other word for it. So I hope they get stomped on. I hope they get stomped yep. on hard. Yeah. Yep. If it, yeah. Yep. If anything, it's more screwed up than the uh, the poker, online poker stuff. Because at least that, I'm pretty sure you had to verify you were over the age of 18 or 21 or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is literally, like you said, kids gambling. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very much right so in Battlefront 2. Because it's not cosmetic. And the, another one of EA's big BS lies was when they said, well, the reason we put progression in the loot boxes is we didn't want to mess with canon. Here's the famous quote. No. Nobody wants a pink Darth Vader, which I say bullshit. Yes, we yeah, do. Bullshit. But I then, love fucking Vader. kidding. But then we found out that the cosmetic things that they said they didn't want to do because they were against the canon were already in the game. Yeah. So I that was that. bullshit. And now they're saying, what was the big thing they're saying now is, oh, yeah, they're saying that um, a single-player Uncharted Star Wars game is not what players want. Fuck them. They don't know shit. When they say that, they say single-player games are not what we want to make because people don't spend money on microtransaction in single-player games. Yeah. You, have, you, yeah. have to, you have to be playing. It has to be multiplayer, and you have to feel like you're competing with a bunch of other people and you have to you want to keep up with the Joneses. Nobody's going to bankrupt themselves to trick out a character in in single player. Nobody gives a crap. You're sitting there playing in your underwear. Sorry, I just I, I just I, spe- I mean like the more I played, like I only, I quite I, I didn't even finish the single player campaign because I got to the point where she turned and I said fuck this, I'm done. That, well, that's really disappointing because like I saw the uh, story trailer for for Battlefield too, and like yeah. honest, honestly, that story trailer, I was like, my God, why couldn't like this have been Rogue One? Like that would have been really fascinating, telling a, like an entire movie from the Imperial perspective, like on the ground level. And seriously, and, like, dude, like the first, I'd say three or four levels of the game before it starts switching out characters and giving her personality like meltdowns is amazing. But you know what? If you if you had made Perials the point of view characters in Rogue One, then nobody would have been surprised when they all died. Right. (laughs) And also they wouldn't have lasted because we know Imperials at that point can't shoot. (laughs) 
They're fragile I mean, we know that. And I've got to say, I was going to say something that we didn't say when we were talking about Rebel Scott, but I want to throw this in because I was thinking about this, is as much as I love Rebels, that show, especially in the season finale, definitely continues the how the hell did these people get guns because they can't shoot to save their lives. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They do make jokes about it. They lampshade it somewhat, which doesn't make it better. But at least it's you, you, you understand they're, they're in on the joke. And, and, and that's canon. I mean, I, EA's, oh, absolutely. EA's, yeah, EA's explanation is bullshit for decisions absolutely. they, they want to make in order to maximize their bottom line. But yeah, uh, Filoni is stuck with stormtroopers who can't shoot. And frankly, it makes his life easier. So why would he not want to be? Exactly. I have a question for you guys I want to throw. I'm really interested in your guys' opinions on this. How much of the microtransactions do you think Disney actually knew about? Honestly, do you think they knew about it and they got involved when it became public? Or do you think they honestly didn't know that it was that bad? It, it wouldn't surprise me if they did know about it. And they were just like, you know, all right, well, it pads our bottom line, too. So, you know, don't fuck it up. And then when they did, well plausible deniability but at the same like i don't know that's i don't know how close disney is in in business with ea like as far as like micromanaging and like being up to date on exactly what's going on i i don't know how that works because well, i've I, done I think a little that's, i think that's the point uh what indy yeah. said because when you say did disney know that's a that's a loaded question uh at somebody at some level of disney may have known but you would have to drill down through right hundreds of layers of corporate uh, management in order to find the person who was responsible for that. Here's the thing I, I think Disney, whether Disney knew or not, and uh, whether Disney cared or not, the damage to their image yeah. is potentially much more disastrous and expensive than any nickel and diming they could, they could do with game players, any money that they could, that they could make off people uh, engaging in microtransactions is, is a drop in the bucket compared to what their name is worth. So the instant it became a public relations liability, they were going to clamp down. I don't care if they were making a million dollars an hour. They were going to stop that shit because they do not want to be the bad guys. Once we found out, it doesn't matter what yeah. Disney knows. It doesn't matter what we know and what the press knows or what, what angry what angry YouTubers know. Yeah, because I mean, even if, <laughs> even, if, even if Disney was completely complicit and behind the, the whole thing, they're big enough that they could just be like, well, we didn't actually know this one little guy down at the bottom rung of the ladder. He knew and we fired him like they could make a scapegoat and just pa pass it off. Yep. And I breathe a heavy sigh because that's probably what will happen. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Disney, wait till after Christmas to fire that guy. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, I've got it. Hardcore porn. With microtransactions. <laughs> oh, God. That, that's basically just the cam girl service, isn't it? Oh, my God. Say, oh, my yeah. God. Ran, random side thing. So do you, uh, do you guys know about the, the iBod thing? No. no. What? So it's basically, it's, it's basically a, a massage device oh, that no. you can put on your person that triggers to audio cues. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so when when... Cam girls are doing their thing. They get tips, and it makes a makes sounds. So some of them have synced it up to this device. Oh, That's good lord! If you're interested, look it up. It is actually pretty hilarious. 
But I, I guess that would be the closest to microtransactions in the porn realm. So a poor guy's brought into the emergency room with mm-hmm. some weird machine strapped to his dick. And the guy <laughs> says, well, it's, we've never seen this before. He was listening to a Henry Miller audiobook and a Spike Jones album at the same time. <laughs> Bit his dick off. I was going to say he was listening to some typo negative. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Well, I have, uh, let's see, what have I seen? Um, oh, I saw The Disaster Artist. Uh, okay. Ooh, how, was that? how is it? How is it? I, I will give you my I will give you my brief thoughts on it for people who don't know what it is uh, it's a comedy on the making of The Room the hilariously horrible drama by actor writer director producer which is to say non-actor non-writer non-director alleged money launderer Tommy Wiseau which has become a, a uh, midnight movie craze uh, it's based on the book the, the uh, what's it called uh, The Disaster Artist my Life Inside the Room, The Greatest Bad Movie Ever Made by Greg Sestero, who played Oh Hi Mark in The Room. And it's directed by, the movie is directed by and stars James Franco, which are words that always fill me with mixed emotions. But Interior leather bar, moving yes, on. <laughs> it's produced by his Pineapple Express pal, Seth Rogen, who has a great supporting part. So for, first I'll say Mary and I both read and both loved the book. I highly recommend okay. it. Uh, and we went in with strong expectations based on that. And we both did really enjoy the movie. It's funny. It's well done. The restaging of key moments from the room itself is pretty spot on. But it has a problem that is maddening to me because it is completely unnecessary and wholly attributable to nepotism. James Franco seems too young by decades to play Tommy Wiseau. And Dave Franco seems too old to play Greg Sestero. I mean, all through the film, people keep asking Tommy, how old are you, man? And it's supposed to be a laugh line when he always answers, I'm 35. Well, Franco's like 39. He does not look, he doesn't, he doesn't look ravaged by time the way Tommy Wiseau does. Um, well, Dave Franco is supposed to, in the film, Greg Sestero, is supposed to be 19. And a big deal is made out of his youth compared to... to Tommy's wizened condition but Dave Franco is over 30 uh, and looks like plus he wears a beard for half the film that is so laughably fake looking that if that beard had appeared in the actual The Room that's one of the things we'd be laughing about when we watched The Room so that was a little mystified but it was fun partly because they shot the whole thing in my neighborhood oh okay oh look there's the fountain boy um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you guys hear that uh tommy wiseau wants to do a star wars movie oh no, god no. i say let him do it <laughs> no no it's bad enough we're getting quentin tarantino star trek <laughs> it'll it'll be terrible but it'll be unique well i think like they I, should, said, I think they should just let him do it and then just nobody says they have to release it maybe true. We'll keep, maybe we'll keep him off the street yeah. Hey, if it's post, just, if it's post Deep Space Nine, Voyager, post Dominion War, I say release it. S- sneak it out like they did the uh, Roger Corman Fantastic Four flick. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yes, uh, thumbs up on the Disaster Artist. Uh, I did okay, enjoy I that. Um, I also saw Itonia with Margot Robbie. Oh, and, oh, I just saw the trailer for that when I went to go see Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. 
yes, Margot Robbie and Sebastian Stan, two actors who have appeared in comic book roles and are here flaunting their indie mojo. Um, I will say, I don't want to get into too much of it. Uh, I will say that Allison Janney is hatefully funny as Tonya Harding's mother. She's a kind of white trash combination of Mama Rose and Lady Macbeth. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Margot Robbie is very good. Her accent work is on point, as always. Again, they have her playing 15 years old. That's kind of a stretch, but okay, whatever. The movie itself is very funny, but because the characters are so real and and engaging, despite their horrible flaws, it's actually kind of emotionally brutal to watch. And the parts which I dismissed as screenwriterly excess, you know, the, the kind of lines where you think, yeah, that's funny, but no real person would ever say that. All those lines were all taken verbatim, which we learned during the end credits when they roll interview footage with the actual horrible idiots involved in this. Oh, thing. nice. Oh, wow. So, you know, kudos to the actors for that. Speaking of Margot Robbie, uh, who I've just learned, by the way, was nicknamed by her family, Maggot. That's what they called her when she was growing up. <laughs> All righty then. There were, th- there were three Harley Quinn projects announced. Uh, Suicide Squad 2, a Harley and Joker film, and Gotham City Sirens, which I think is uh, Harley, uh, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. And now Margot Robbie is saying she's working on another fourth separate Harley-centric film. Um, I feel like it's already overkill and we haven't gotten any of them. But yeah, really. Jeff, I know you like Suicide Squad a lot. Does any of this come as good news to you? Do you want to see any of these? I, uh, I, it really depends on the trailers. I mean, the Gotham out of all, I wanted to see the Gotham City Sirens. I remember that was the one that they, they were first talking about before the uh, the Harley Joker movie, or I mean, it was Suicide Squad and Gotham City. I'll see those. The, the Harley Joker movie depends on the trailer. It really does. I mean, most of these films, it really does. It just depends on the trailer. Speaking of which, quick tangent, but I do got to throw it out there because it's out there, and I have, I have to ask Indy about this. What'd you think of the Avengers trailer? Uh, Thanos looked. Almost as bad as Cyborg did in the Justice League trailer. That Thank aside, it, it looked... Huh. Honestly, I wasn't as impressed with it as I thought I would be. I'm still into... I want to see it, but it didn't blow me away the way other Marvel... Like, the Thor Ragnarok trailer blew me away. Right. This one, not so much. Honestly, I think the uh, the trailer for Rampage had more of an impact on me. Just because I didn't even know that was a thing until I saw the trailer randomly. I don't know. I, I don't heard... know either. What is Rampage? Ram- the, the, the old the... video game. Yeah. Oh, the old video game with with the uh, gorilla and the Wolfman and the Godzilla clone, just punching, destroying buildings. cities and eating yeah. people. It was an old arcade game. Yeah. Wait, they're making a movie out of that? They have they with have made Wayne a movie. Johnson. With yep. Oh. It is. It is coming out. The trailer. I mean, I think it's coming out. I think spring of next year. Yeah, something like that. Well, it's obviously too late to do anything about it now. So we just <laughs> yeah, have to live with we it. We could it, go back in time, but it, it honestly it looks like dumb fun. You so, know what? Somebody should make that movie about about like a dumb group fun. Of, no, no, a group of idiots like us who get access to top secret time machine technology, and instead of going back to kill Hitler 
or you know resolving our parents you know our mommy issues or you know saving a childhood friend we just like go back and make sure they don't make a stupid arcade game movie with Dwayne Johnson <laughs> no no just no no stop no, no, Rampage. no no it's like if it's that's like the case, first mystery science theater. Instead of watching the bad movies, we go back in time to prevent, prevent them. them. Exactly. Yes. If that's <laughs> the case, no, 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 no. We go back to the early '90s and whisper in George Lucas's ear every night for six months. No Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would agree with that. Except, if you do that, he's only going to come up with something worse. Jar Jar was probably the second draft. Although yeah, I gotta funny say, because it's probably true, and that's very yeah. sad. If the fan theory had was would they had would have been correct, and Jar Jar would have been evil in charge of everything, that would have been hysterical. It would yeah. been, it would have been funny for like five minutes, but then but it wouldn't make the pain go away. <laughs> that is also a valid point. <laughs> Speaking of trailers, uh, I saw the Netflix uh, trailer for season two of Jessica Jones. Uh, Yay! So that dropped. Yes, it just yeah, it nice. dropped today. Uh, uh, March, March is when it is coming March, out. March, right? Oh, and cool. That's a good speaking, birthday present for me. There you go. Speaking of uh, Netflix, I just finished yesterday. Uh, my twin and I just finished the Defenders, or not the Defenders, the Punisher. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> yeah, we we did it in uh, like three, three, and four, or I think like I can't remember. But we did it in, in, in little in little mini spurts, and uh, yeah. I got to say, uh, it is now my favorite under Jessica Jones. It's Jessica Jones and the Punisher now. Hmm. Okay. I effing loved this show. Yeah, I've, we've, me and Britt have watched, like, first four episodes so far, and, like, yeah, I'm super into it so far. It gets even more intense. <laughs> nice. Have you checked it out yet, Scott? Uh, no, I've had a deadline, and I have not had much time for discretionary TV oh, understand. Is this what I think it is? It's what you think it is. And okay, okay. We'll go into more ta- detail off my. I will keep you apprised, however. Extremities crossed. Extremities crossed. But yeah, when you have the time for disc- for uh, discretionary viewing, I do. I really recommend The Punisher. It is a lot more philosophical than I was expecting. That's what you really go to a Frank Castle property for the philosophy. But it <laughs> works. Okay. In addition to being, in addition to it being the most graphic of the Netflix series, they are really pushing the TVMA for the Punisher, and I give them points for that. As you said, being a Frank Castle story, it definitely amps up the violence and the sex. Okay, well, you know what? The, I will look perfectly. I'm perfectly willing to accept that in a Punisher story, if not demanded, and it will not in any way put me off the way two random and unmotivated fucks did in um, yep. Star Trek yep. Discovery. Did we talk about this? The, 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 the... Oh, yeah. Oh, we... No, if you want to go, we, we can rant about it again because that still amazed me that that even happened that way. Well, what got me was the Star Trek... Was the... Uh... Wait, real, fa- real fast. You know about the fucks, right? No. I, I know Scott, nothing of Discovery. Scott, fill me in on the fucks. Yeah, let okay. him fill him in on the fucks. So we're, did they you're, say you're, you're angrier about this than I am, so you go ahead. We're watching... STD, Star Trek Syphilis, and right. we are we are going along and we're taking it like men. There's nothing we can do about it except just sit there and watch. So that's fine. That's fine. Some of it's good. Some of it's okay. And, and then it gets to a scene where toward the end of episode five, I think it was, 
they're trying to figure out how to make their uh, their mushroom engine work uh, without this water bear creature that they've uh, acquired because it's hurting it and and uh, the Federation is basically Peter at large. So, and, so Star Trek did all of the drugs for this series. Oh, they did. Yes, they did. Okay. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. It, it oh, yeah. helps. It helps to do them on your own before before or while watching it. Basically, yeah, it's a collaboration. You do the drugs, they do the drugs, and then it'll all make sense somewhere in the middle. But we'll compare notes in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they get an idea, and they decide to pursue that idea, and it's just it's your usual. Star Trek techno babble nonsense that's like, well, you can't tell if it's a good idea or a bad idea because it literally makes no sense and is composed entirely of made up nonsense words. And then the spunky intern or cadet or whatever she is says, This is so fucking cool. And the other guy says, Yeah, it is so fucking cool. And it's like, both Jeff and I are going like, no, it's not. First of all, and the worst part is, it was some. This is they. They say this is so fucking cool after explaining something that has already been explained earlier in the episode. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a breakthrough. It was a review, and it wasn't a triumphant moment yes. where you think that they would go, "Yeah, this is so fucking cool." We did. No, they just go, "Oh yeah, we said we we're going to do that. Let's go ahead and do that." Yeah. Now, what do you want for lunch? Oh, this is. It's like they and they literally. There was no reason for them to have cursed at all. All they were saying to us was, no, 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 no. This is why you're paying. No, no, no. We're giving you your 10 bucks a month worth. We said fuck. Wait, wait, wait. You want it again? Give another fuck. Give another fuck. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. Wait, Here's what is this bucks. airing on? It's airing uh, on CBS. all access shitty app. It is, it is one of the worst streaming apps uh, anybody at all. It's like the, the app is like it was made by the stupidest people at Yahoo. Right. Not even on like no, no, actual no. television. It's no, it's not even on real television. You, you no. pay, you pay to get it, and you still what have to fuck? you have to watch commercials. All right. And so yeah, that, that remind that makes me think of. Did either of you guys see? I think it was Amazon that did it. The Zombieland pilot that they did. Oh no! no. I heard they were going to no. do that a long time ago. They went ahead. Huh? Yeah. They did a pilot. It never made it past the pilot because it was actually that bad. But. The the Zombieland pilot it felt like a um, fuck. What's that station? TBS. Hmm. Uh, oh god! It felt, like, it felt like a TBS sitcom, but it was on Amazon, so they could get away with saying fuck. And it was the most jarring vulgarity ever. Like I love the word fuck. I love cursing. It's amazing. But when it doesn't fit or lend yep. itself to anything, and it's just there to be there. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Said it before, and I will say it again. Season two of The Preacher has the greatest use of the word fuck I have ever heard on TV. They totally earned it. It was great. It was powerful. They used strong language the way it was supposed to be used. You know, massive kudos for Seth Rogen and AMC for letting them use their, for giving them the one for that one episode. Well, here's the other thing about this. If you watch the other episodes of Star Trek, Hoipies, as Jeff calls it. Um, Klingon they, boots. Let's talk about No, no, no. Let's get, let's get to it. Let, let's just finish this point because I think it's important. Uh, first of all, they, 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 they talked about canon and, and how sacrosanct it is. And if you go back to Star Trek IV with the whales, they make a point of how people in, in the Federation don't 
curse. They have to. Yes. And, and to the point where it's a big comic moment when they they incompetently attempt to use vulgarities and profanities. It's a big deal. It's a plot point. And you get to this and we're going through all these episodes and beyond the usual hells or dams, nobody's cursing. And then there are these two casual fucks slipped in. It's like, okay, first of all, that violates your own canon, which you are insisting you're making a big deal about following. That's not even the worst part. The worst part was the final episode, the, not the final episode, unfortunately. It's the mid-season finale, I think is the term of yeah. art now. So the guy that they broke out of a Klingon jail, a lot of people think, oh, he's a sleeper agent or he's something. He, he is. He has, that's Jeff's theory. And he has obvious, he has terrible, terrible PTSD. He was the sexual plaything of this Klingon female warrior who tortured him and then had sex with him. Please tell me this guy is played by Leland Orser. Sadly, no. No. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Damn it. I wish I could tell you that. Um, I don't personally think I could get it up with, uh, you know, Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. And that's if, she, <laughs> if that's if she were human. Here's the thing. They have changed the, Vulc- the Vulcans. I always want to say the Vulcans. They have changed the Klingons. So they have this reptilian skin finishing and these weird striations. So we get to see her mounting the guy going full cowgirl position or whatever they call it in the future, uh, Denebrian slime devil position. And <laughs> she's got her Klingon hooters out. And first of all, they are, they are scaly and reptilian and they have nipples. Why would reptiles need to nurse is my question. But apart from that, whoever say. I, EA tells you, oh, gamers don't want this, gamers want that. You know it's all self-serving bullshit. That's fine. But I'm sure they have some data. Some, they have done customer surveys. And they know, in a sense, what their customer base wants. Did anybody anywhere ever request reptilian Klingon tits outside of, I'm sure there is, a fetish site called reptilianklingontits.net? I'm sure it's there, <laughs> and I'm sure it's popular within its own group. But apart from them, what made them think we wanted to see this? I'm just curious. Yeah, especially yeah, in within Star Trek canon, like that doesn't really make it doesn't fit tonally with what Star Trek typically is. They gotta justify those tat ten bucks a month, man. That's exactly what it was about. See, but see, like that's the same thing as like the the like the original like the first season of Stargate Stargate SG One, where because it was on Cinemax, there's like two random nude scenes and like two or three fucks that they throw down, and it's really jarring and it doesn't fit with the rest of the series at all. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, but remember, at that time, wasn't it on Showtime? Uh, Showtime, or I, I want to say it was on Cinemax. Maybe. Well, if it was on Cinemax, then they were required by law to have nude scenes. <laughs> yeah, if, that's basically what it was. It was like, hey, this is a Cinemax show, so here's some tits. I mean, do you and remember? Also, oh, what was Colonel that? Neil says fuck. So there you go. It was a sitcom, I think, on HBO called Dream On in the early yeah. 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which was yeah, all about softcore porn. Yeah, yeah softcore porn. He would have this, this, this regular, this random guy. Uh, ordinary Joe who would have these fantasies about these women he'd be dating, or whatever, and he would see, you know, he would see them naked, which is a, which is a that gag the, that the, goes the, back to um, 
one of the earliest nudie cuties, Russ Meyer's The Immoral Mr. Tease, where a guy keeps fantasizing about seeing women walking down the street naked. Fine. That's they. That was HBO That's saying the press of the show. They're right. So that makes perfect fucking but sense I mean, for that. But I mean, that there. kind of like thing, something le- like Stargate or Star Trek, that suddenly it's like, yeah, we're saying fuck and we're showing Klingon tits. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it made sense. I mean, it made more sense when Star. What was it? Was the nineties, right? When when Stargate first appeared, and yeah, they were doing that they, because the the premium cable channels were trying to distinguish themselves, saying, yeah, you're not going to get right. this on network. I mean, and, and then they re- eventually realized, you know what? People don't want that. It doesn't matter. It's not. You know, they agreed with what you just said. But exactly. for a while, that was in all of those original shows. They had to have moments like that. There's no reason for that now. No, absolutely not. We, it's like people can go see. The, but it's like if this show had been on CBS, one, I think it'd be more popular because nobody talks about it, really. People yeah. complain about it. But people don't really talk about it. It's not a water cooler show. Two. Uh, we wouldn't have had the two random fucks, which you know, it was a symptom of of commerce over creativity. That's my sole uh, objection to it. And we wouldn't have had the Klingon tits, which <laughs> leave the hideously repugnant Klingon tits in the wood rocket porn parodies like they deserve to be. Here, don't put them in the here. actual show. Absolutely, I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. I think you have brought us all together as a people. <laughs> oh. Anyone else have any thoughts or anything they've seen or anything they want to talk about or anyone anything they want to complain about? Because, frankly, I'm ranted out. <laughs> nope. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Then we will be back right after this. The theme song to the Unknown Movie Challenge, usually heard in this time slot, has been preempted for the following special presentation. <laughs> Big box of Hong Kong Smash them, punch them, bash them, grind them under Call me ping pong I'm top dog of Hong Kong When I yell it's like a crash of thunder Every fight's a real sensation I send them off to their cremation I smack them, I whack them I scratch them, I pack them I cream them, I ream And then I redeem them I bash them, I grind them, I thrash them, I pound them, I ground them, and then I surround them. To fingers to neck, out your ice cream, yeah! I mean the tears for my next three. Oh! When women just try to remember, yeah! I love to destroy and dismember, yeah! Of Hong Kong, smash them, punch them, bash them, grind them under. Hey, call me ping pong, but the girls of Hong Kong, every kiss I try is just a blunder. I try to hold her like a flower, but that is crucial, that's my power. I kiss on the hand when it ceases, mm, nothing at all but the pieces, yeah. Sensation. I sent them up to their premiere. 
Revolution. Yeah! 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 And welcome back. This is the Unknown Movie Challenge. And it's a challenge to know <laughs> what to say about this movie. I'm going to throw this to Jeff. I'm going to throw it hard. I'm going to throw it at his head. And it hurt. What were you thinking? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Now, um, to ex- okay, to explain, I went, Scott had asked, you know, if I had an idea for the movie for this episode, and I was hunting the YouTubes, trying to find something to see, and I just clicked on a link, and I saw this opening, it was a very nice little opening, with a song that sounded very much like, um, it reminded me a lot of the so- the theme song from The Green Slime. <laughs> That was my thought. It was very 60s. You know, the guy sounded like he was constipated while he was singing. It was very entertaining. And there were all of these Italian names in the credits. But then the opening five minutes is a big, uh, you know, badly dubbed kung fu scene. And I thought, oh, my God, this is a 1970s badly dubbed Hong Kong kung fu movie done by Italians. This sounds awesome. (laughs) And you were half right. Well, hey, and not in, <laughs> I did not mean awesome in a good way. I just meant that it would be something interesting. So, the film that I forced Scott and Indy to watch is called Supermen Against the Orient, otherwise known as Chibata Stripo Strapo Strapio. I would just like to say for the record that unlike the titular Superman, I am not against the Orient. I just feel like their area rugs may be overpriced. and not only is this a kung fu film written and directed and starring mostly italians it's also a sequel back in 1967 uh, the three fantastic supermen busted out onto the screen and it was apparently a very well-respected um superhero comedy at a time when Italians were making a lot of superhero films, apparently. Um, this spawned several films, and there, there was the three Supermen in Africa, the three Supermen in Hong Kong, and I believe the other one was the three Supermen in the jungle. The, but three, then we the have, three Supermen and the three Stooges go around the world in a daze. In a daze, with Hercules. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. But then we have this one. Now, this one is a little different than the other series because um, this one, a little, also a little bit of backstory here. And I am quoting or paraphrasing IMDb on this, but after. So you uh, know it's true. Exactly. No, I, I checked this a couple places. So I, this wasn't just IMDb research. Yeah. But <laughs> um, in the 70s, the big like Hong Kong studios, the Shaw Brothers, Golden Harvest, the ones who d- made most of the uh, uh, kung fu films back then, were having a hard time getting their films into places like Thailand and Singapore. And so the Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest wound up having to seek outside funding. That's why we had films like The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Right, which, which was, was between which was Golden Harvest and uh, Hammer. Uh, Hammer, right. And then we have this film, which is, which has the which was produced by the Shaw Brothers, 
who are well known if you do if you know your kung fu films. So the Shaw brothers co-produced this with mostly Italians. No one involved in the original series was actually involved in this movie. This was kind of a reboot, for lack of a better word. Yes, even in the even in the seventies, they were doing reboots. I would also like to say that I am willing to bet that this film, which was made in 1973, played in some theater on the deuce sometime between 1974 and 1978. And well, it was probably on the bottom third of a, of a triple bill at the Liberty, which I think was the big Kung Fu showcase on 42nd Street. Probably, probably played with, you know, Master of the Flying Guillotine and uh, Five Deadly Venoms or something. Oh, and by the way, here's a little piece of uh, trivia for this particular film. One of the fight choreographers for Superman Against the Orient was Jackie Chan. <laughs> Having an off day. <laughs> That's, well, I actually, I, what's the really funny thing is, the one thing that all of these films do have in common is that it features usually three, though this one has five, which we'll get to, people in red and black underwear with black capes. The, the, the suits are bulletproof, and they go around beating people up. Now, granted, in this film, they now know kung fu. In the earlier films, they just hit people. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that was, that was going to be one of my questions. We also get to the question of why... Um, why people Just yes why? why that that's a big question uh that i don't think we'll answer but uh the, for our heroes get the bulletproof super suits they say well the hostages are being held by these kung fu masters and the our, our uh, Italian-American hero just says, well, I'll just I'll just shoot them. No, they know Kung Fu. Bullets won't help. And I go, oh, OK. <laughs> and, then, and then when they face then when they face the Kung Fu people and they're wearing bulletproof suits, the Kung Fu people are shooting them rather they, than fight them. They exclusively have guns for the most yes, part. Yes. Yeah. And then the people oh, who we'll are wearing the bulletproof suits, the wearing my... people who are in the bulletproof suits decide to fight Kung Fu style against the other guys who are like, well, you have, they have become the Kung them. Fu masters that are immune to bullets. All right. It you know what? them the whole time. Exactly. We're never, we're never going to solve this unless we start at the beginning. Here we go. Crisscross. We're in Hong Kong. <laughs> We've just heard. I, I think we We've, were, I think we were in Hong Kong. In, it may have been Hong Kong. It may have been New Jersey. I'm really not sure. Well, it was shot, This place it, jumps all over yes, the country. It's like days and it's all messed up. It was shot in Italy and at the Sharp Brothers studio in Hong Kong. Yes. But the, the shots the shots of Hong Kong are unmistakable. Now whether whether the scene was shot there, the the, the helicopter footage that plays during the um the theme song, that's Hong Kong. So Hong there, Kong Hong Kong looks gorgeous then. Yes, it it, it wasn't bad. Uh yeah. there there's some thugs dressed like extras from any Shaw Brothers Kung Fu epic who are offloading heroin or junk from a Chinese <laughs> sailing vessel or junk. Under the super- <laughs> under the super- and if you notice, if you noticed, there was in fact junk in the trunk. There, yes, quite literally, there was. I'm detecting a theme with this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> or this movie, or junk. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, come on! That theme song—it was just so bouncy and fun. Well, you know, what and it was even more bouncy and. Put over the end credits in its original Italian. In the original Italian. You, you obviously, can... that song, obviously, that song was amazing because I don't know if you paid attention or not, but every single musical cue in the film is variations of the theme. 
No I'll idea. go one step further. The entire soundtrack was incredible. I want it on iTunes. <laughs> because it's all variations of the theme song. They did a polka version of it. I mean, I like I, every time a music cue popped up in that movie, if you listen close enough, you will hear the theme in it. Oh, and also, if you, was... listen, if you listen close enough to the end, when you hear it in the original Italian, the, the singer sounds like he does not speak English as even like a fifth language. No. Nope. Like, it was the most, it was perhaps the most phonetic singing I've ever heard. And I, I, I only understood like half of the words. I didn't care. It was just a fun song. Of course, I kept sitting there going green slime every it's five all, It's all about bashing people and cremating them. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's theme. very. Yes, it's, it's a it's, great. It's, it's the most violent, bouncy theme song I've ever heard. So anyway, they seem to be working. Heroin dealers seem to be working for a sleazy looking Italian dude. Um, this is to be expected since it's the 1970s and all men in Italian movies looked like sleazy Italian dudes, even the Italians who were playing the American heroes. It was <laughs> something you could count on. Uh, some young Hong Kong cops break up the drug buy. And here's the thing. Here's where the, the whole they don't understand guns things starts because both of them are carrying 45s, these cops. They wade into this group, massive group. There's two of them and there's like 15 of these thugs. They shoot several of the bad guys, but then they almost instantly forget they have guns and they start kung fuing <laughs> the numerically superior bad dudes. That that was a question that I wanted answered. Never really was. So they get taken prisoner. Uh, we cut to the U.S. where you were going to see more bad hair around a conference table than probably any other 15 kung fu movies can provide i mean they use usually in kung fu movies they have that one old guy that one sleazy guy with the comb over uh yes you know who's like smoking a cigarette and either gives you information or tries to sell you something this is this was just an amazing uh agglomeration of just bad hair and really poorly thought out sideburns but um, and this was the scene. This was the scene that utterly blew my mind because I were I'm watching this fun little you know Jackie. I, I even thought during that opening scene this is vaguely Jackie Chanish. So that kind of made me happy when I read that. But when it cuts to that boardroom with all of the bad hair and sideburns, all of a sudden that one guy's like, oh, what was the one line? I'm paraphrasing, but it's like we have to get Agent blah blah blah. He's an idiot, but he's our best. He's our he's my best man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. They say you can't get. Uh, an idiot, but he's my best man. What Captain, yeah, line. Captain something or other. And he says, oh, yes, Captain some, you know, has no brains and is yes. therefore his best agent. I feel that I feel this is probably how Trump picked his national security staff. <laughs> well, we know that's Steve Bannon on the dot. But I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the guy that they call him Captain. I just called him stupid Tom Selleck. Yes. 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 So yeah. he's and, and stupid Tom has a porn mustache and an incredibly bony face like Robert Zadar. Yeah. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. It's just his his eyes are so deep set in his skull and so far apart that he kind of looks like an insectoid Martian from five million years to Earth wearing <laughs> wearing a porn mustache and a Lee Horsley wig. A distinctive <laughs> visage, to be sure. To be sure, yeah. So he leaves his he leaves his bride at the altar because his country urgently needs him to walk around in some boring Bangkok travelogue footage, and uh, now, also wait, also wait, the, wait, wait, the wait, country before. needs him to wear a teeny tiny Italian speedo. 
I'm, we'll get I'm to not... the Italian steel, but we cannot forget the fact that the wedding that he that he is kidnapped from, you know, is being held at the exact same time that a funeral is being no, held. No, 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 no. They, they, let, let's let's They're give late. The... the wedding was late. Yeah, the wedding was yeah. late because he shows up late riding. I don't know, like like a, a some kind of delivery uh, bicycle. Yeah. Down, down some stairs because he wrecked his car because he's an idiot, as we've heard. And this, this is the first legitimately funny thing in the movie. There aren't a lot of them, but I will give it credit for this, that, that they're overscheduled at the church. They're stacked up. They got a funeral behind them. There's like a group of mourners standing there, six guys with a coffin on their shoulder. I mean, it's a stupid visual joke, but I, yes. I thought, oh, okay. Credit where credit's due. I do like the idea of this guy just wanting to get married, but perpetually putting off the wedding because he keeps getting kidnapped to go on missions. You like know, that, I the concept that. of that alone is really funny to me. If, the, if this had been an actual series and not just, yeah, a, you know, yeah. an abrupt, unmotivated reboot, then yes, I would agree. If that was like a, did you, and this, yeah, this, if that this was a running gag. That that would be a hilarious running gag. This is an off-topic thing too, but in the Bond films, the first two, Doctor No and. Uh, much uh, love. Yeah, you're he's you you meet Bond when he, he either meets Sylvia Trench uh, across the baccarat table in Dr. No and they're about to bang and he gets called off to, to meet with them. Second film, they're having a picnic, they're they're about to bang in the car, and he gets called into the office. <laughs> that was going to be a running thing. They were gonna start every movie with him and Sylvia Trench about to bang when he gets right. When he gets called, and they just okay, that's fine. That it would have been. been, but if they'd gone with that, we never would have got what it developed into, which is the the actiony pre credit sequences that the Bond films are famous for now. Yeah, it would have just yeah, been it no. would have just been a you know kind of a like a Cock Playboy series, yeah, like a Playboy cartoon joke. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> let's talk about his speedo. No, let's not talk about his speedo because the speedo is frankly just a short uh, shot, but it does it does scream. Everyone on screen is an Italian, and only Itali- <laughs> only an Italian will put this on. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. But he meets he meets this um, or he, uh, when he first arrives, we, we we must get plot when he first arrives in town. This woman bumps into him and gives him a note saying, "Meet me at the fights." Right, it's in Bangkok. I know every. I, I know why you're here. Meet me here for the, for this information. And this chick who he keeps meeting throughout the film. Uh, uh, always has information that he needs, and my she also is one of my favorite lines in the movie. You know, she says, um, "The people that you're seeking." And by the way, the two cops who were kidnapped and tortured at the beginning of the film do not play into the rest of the story at all. Yeah, we never see them again, folks. No, now the plot is about six kidnaps um, agents. So that whole opening scene served no purpose whatsoever except to have a kung fu sequence. Mm-hmm. Which I'm fine just with. saying. Yeah, one, yes, of, yes, one yes. of the kidnapped agents is her brother. But she what? has the infamous line when he says to her, "You know, how do you know all of this? We know all." Yeah, that and was a it. weird fucking line. Yes, how I do just you know remember this? That. We know everything. Boom, that's it, and then they move on. Who's we? They don't explain who we are exactly. There's no explanation as to who we are. Yeah, they and never. What we are doing and why we're there. Also, but there we are. Also, she's way more competent and has a better grasp of fighting technique and tradecraft than anybody else in the film. And yet she's 
only supposed to be there because her brother's involved. I go, aren't you? Yeah, like the the first scene where she comes out and starts kicking ass. I'm like, why is she not the main character? Exactly. Exactly. Instead, we get not Tom Selleck, and then and we get the other two who we also meet at the uh, this this kung fu um, meeting. His old friends. I guess we could call them Chico and Harpo. Uh, yeah. One is an Italian who looks American. And then we have Harpo. Um, yeah. Harpo looks like a monkey. Looks like a monkey. He, he, he does not talk. And hence the Harpo line. But, but imagine Harpo at his most annoyingly, muggingly worst mixed with John Cryer from Superman Fork, A Quest for Peace, mixed with, I can't think of the actor's name, but you're, you're going to know who I'm talking about, the really annoying guy from F Troop. Oh, uh, Larry Storch. Larry Storch. Wow. That is how annoying this particular character is. And he's meant to be the comic relief in this movie. Yeah, he was painful. He was, that hurt me. I freely admit that was, uh, that was when I went, yeah, this is where Scott's going to kill me. <laughs> Yeah, he he wasn't as painful to me. Like I can absolutely see what you're saying, but for some reason, like he didn't have that strong of, a, of an effect on me. Oh, it just his for. I think the scene that did it for me when I decided that I hated him and wanted him dead by my or anybody else's hand, uh, was actually at the kung fu fight when he's sitting there. Uh, okay. Real quick plot point. So oh. They're all talking. They're, they meet back up. These guys are thieves. And there's a fight. The world champion is crowned in the weirdest staged championship kung fu fight I've ever seen. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, the champion will take all comers. And these two guys kick not Tom Selleck into the ring, who promptly gets his ass kicked. And while he is getting his ass kicked, um, not Harpo mugs every single hit. So badly. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he mugs badly. He mugs relentlessly. He mugs Okay, uh, relentlessly yeah, is yeah. a better word. Thank you. But I mean he is doing is he if you watch him, he is doing some some interesting stuff. You know what? I didn't hate him as much as you would think I would. I'm okay, surprised. Good for I, you. I, I I'm kinda, okay, so I hate him the most. I'm fine with that. He's actually pretty adroit. He's one of the few people there who has any Actual skills because they've got everybody. Actually, kung fu I was going to say he almost redeemed himself with the kung fu fight at the end because he actually was good in that fight. If you yeah, and if you look at some of the other stuff he does, some of the weapon stuff he does, and, and a few scenes where he's just moving around or dodging through traffic, he's pretty good. And it's the mugging that killed me. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, physical, the physicality is great. I will give you that. Yeah, you'll not. But be, it was just his face. I wanted to punch it. Yeah, he was not an actor. He was a um, he was a stuntman. Yeah. And when when he didn't have stupid comedy bits, because because comic relief relief was not the feeling I was experiencing. Um, <laughs> he's fine. Everyone else is just as irritating in their own way, except except for, for the most part, except for the most part, the Asian actors. And I'm just going to say real quick, because this is something that's stuck in my craw to go back to the thing. The, the guy shows up in Bangkok. Uh, stupid Tom Selleck and goes to the American consulate and talks to a character who really annoyed me. Um, oh God, the consulate, the, the American uh. consul. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah, and the the U.S. government, as we discover, <laughs> has created uh, bulletproof suits, which sounds like a huge and unfair advantage for the heroes. So, to even the playing field, they made them look like stupid knockoff superhero costumes from Kmart. And yes. I don't care about Italians masquerading as sleazy Americans 
having to gad about in this shit. But I do feel bad for the Asian stars who are all all had legitimate martial arts credits in other movies and martial arts chops. Having to wear Mexican wrestler belts, unitards <laughs> the color of tomato bisque, and shorty capes made from shower curtains. To be fair, though, it was only two of the Asian stars. Granted, the guy who was playing um, chi- uh, teacher inspector Chef Tang, Tang was one of the that was one of the Shaw brothers' biggest stars at the point at that point. So yeah, he yeah he should feel bad. <laughs> or the, he, he, sorry, he, I'm laughing about a scene that we'll get to later. Never mind. Yeah. But, then there's the fight scene and this guy gets like not Tom Selleck gets the shit kicked out of him and his two what were supposedly his friends at that point spend the entire time laughing like ha 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 he's getting every bone in his body broken this is so funny <laughs> you know actually yeah, see, that's a that's a good point because stupid Tom gets I think he he continues the tradition popular in Hong Kong films of the time and if you've seen early 70s films you 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 know what I'm talking about the tradition of a big white guy getting his ass kicked by a smaller Chinese man. Now, this is yep. this is always fun, uh, especially when the guy getting his ass kicked is Chuck Norris, like it was in The Way of the Dragon. I uh, can't watch that scene enough. Um, yeah. But this time, the joy, I will admit, is added to by cutaways to the sleazy looking uh, Italian stuntman making goofy faces and a series of fart noises. Um yeah. <laughs> as you say, as you say, sort of like a like a stupid, more depressing Harpo. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. Yes. So, uh, guys, if if uh, if that kind of thing is on your Christmas wish list, then this is the film for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, what what so, I did love about this movie though is he get he literally, as Jeff says, gets every bone in his body broken. He is in casts, he is immobilized, he is swathed in bandages. It's like Jan- Johnny got his gun, and they say, "Oh, <laughs> it's like." Well, he's out of the It'll movie. Be somehow more depressing. Yeah, we're either going to have we're either going to have a hell of a long time dissolve here six months later, or he's out of the movie and we're get, we're going to need a new hero. Uh, no, they go. Oh, I know what'll fix you right up. We'll take you to get some acupuncture, and you know what? <laughs> Apparently, that knits bones instantly. Yeah, because he's fine. yeah, and not only and not only does it knit bones, and if you think about it, so not only did he okay, he got every bone in his body broken. And he learned Kung Fu in the space of at least 48 hours. Yeah. Because remember, they were going to kill that guy within two days. Well, apparently to to learn Kung Fu, uh, all you have to do uh, (laughs) is plunge your hand repeatedly into a backyard barbecue. (laughs) Just just wait till dad serves the brats and the burgers and go out there and stab your hand into the barbecue. And you, sir, are now a Kung Fu master. Go forth and kick I got, ass. I got a Be- foreman grill in the in the cupboard. Will that work? Oh, you were no. That'll be... only teach you tai chi. Ah, eh, well, let's start. <laughs> okay, and I I have to bring this part up. Um, this was not funny. This was the one moment in the film where I went, "Oh my god, did this really just happen?" At one point, stupid Tom Selleck. Very early on, this is before he has um, learned kung fu is uh, dressed up like a typical uh, older Shaw Brothers extra, and he's walking through town carrying this two jugs of water on a stick. And some guy walks up and says, you know, buy souvenir, take home with you to the United States. And not Tom Selleck says in a bit of a, a Mickey Rooney voice, no, I'm Chinese like you. 
and then the 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 guy selling the um souvenir says and i quote if you chinese me little lead lighting hood and he actually <laughs> said little lead lighting hood that that mm-hmm. did that did happen now who's that, to happened. Say, that was a thing that actually happened who's to say what the actual original line was I'm pretty uh, sure it wasn't such a lead lighting hood. Probably not, because I'm sure the line was written in Italian. The guy was probably speaking Cantonese. But you know what? That, that raises an interesting point. That was big in the 60s and the 70s. They would have these, these binational, multinational productions. And what I enjoy looking for in these is you get to see what a particular nationality is sensitive and butthurt about. <laughs> in this case, I mean, most of the film takes place in Hong Kong. In fact, in, at the Shaw Brothers studio. So they, they were playing on the other team's home field. But the Italians playing Americans have to take time out in the middle of the movie to stress that while Chinese food is okay, you can't beat a plate of good old Italian spaghetti. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a whole scene where they, gotta, they, they, have, yeah. to, they have to show and- for the superiority of Italian cuisine. And like none of them are supposed to be Italians. Like it's an and and then uh, then then of course Harpo takes a wushu sword and slices a salami in midair, so it gets hateful and stupid. But uh, and let's not, let us not also forget later when um, the big plan goes down. Also, not Chico also pretends to be Asian very badly when he pretends to be the plumber. Oh yeah, they're oh they're, right. They're wearing sunglasses. Yes, and he pretends his partner flushed himself down, the, and he sh- shouts into the bowl of the toilet. In in yes, in the worst Velisali accent. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot at that point because every <laughs> pretty much everybody we've been dealing with were Italians pretending to be Americans. I'd forgotten at that scene. That, oh, that's right. They're supposed to be in Bangkok. Because there's not a lot. Yeah. Of- <laughs> I, I, say, I was like, why is he pretending to be? Chinese, like yeah, it took me a minute for it to trigger. And I thought they were wearing those those white, uh, those round white Audrey Hepburn style sunglasses uh, because they were Italian men, you know, right? <laughs> or, or just disguise, flamboyant disguise, like that's fine. Or because they were Italian men. Yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah. So mm-hmm. his two but so not Chico and not Harpo won't help uh stupid Tom Selleck unless not Chico and uh, not Harpo get money from the American consulate. Now the American consulate, uh brilliant performance by Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. You know, unless I mean a truly I, amazing I performance. Think Lo- I didn't think Lloyd Kaufman, but I was like bargain bin basement mel brooks he looked okay like, all right he looked at blended me like the, with uh uh jeff you've seen z nation uh the doctor guy oh god from, okay yep he looked like him i can see it i can yeah. see it scott uh to me he looked eerily and it's so much so that he was a doppelganger but i know it's impossible uh because of when the thing was shot but he looked very much like the i don't know did either of you see the golden compass Oh yeah, yeah. The guy who played the evil cleric. Uh, oh, spe- speaking of comb-overs. Yes. <laughs> eerily, eerily looks okay. like this guy. Okay, I got you there. Good call. Good call. But he was another mugger. Oh yeah. He, he... And unfortunately, he spoke too. So he mugged. He he mugged, and he didn't just chew the scenery. He chewed it, regurgitated it, and made lighters out of it. Oh, he mugged <laughs> so much. I wanted to call it police. 
Yeah, he he was he was just he he deserved he definitely deserved to get not only have money stolen but uh, hit repeatedly with with a piece of salami. But here's, here's an really interesting amazing. thing though about that they they keep dropping these little timely jokes into it or, or <laughs> like for instance the, his, his passion for Nixon keeps coming up and yes <laughs> and you know, we he, he didn't he didn't want to report any bad news back home because nixon was having trouble obviously this, this is all going on you know during watergate and he also uh, they also want to break into the consulate safe and steal there's millions of dollars in there by the way millions of dollars will fit into a tiny little uh, uh makeup case who knew? Yeah. Amazing how that, that was actually it's, a TARDIS. Yes. Yeah, it's bigger on the inside. So they they have millions of dollars in the Bangkok consulate safe because it was going to be used to pay American troops in Vietnam, but they just ended the war. So everyone left and the money's just sitting there. I thought, okay, that's stupid, but it's timely. It's, at least it's referring right. to current events. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. I give you that one, but then, yeah, it becomes this so, whole this whole subplot. They got they they want our they want stupid Tom, who is an FBI agent. We finally learn midway through the movie to help them break in and steal this. In which case, they will help him do what I don't know. Really, all they do is stand there and absorb bullets at the end. It doesn't seem like they their skills as thieves figure into anything except breaking in and stealing the money. But uh, I don't know. But let us not forget that final scene. Not only did we have five people in the best costume since the Power Rangers, but while everybody was shooting at him, we had those wonderful moments where our actors were jumping on trampolines for some reason. Yeah! What the fuck? Well, that's a, that's a big folks. thing. That's a big thing. In those Italian superhero movies, if you've seen any of them, there's always a scene where the hero jumps, hits a trampoline, jumps onto a car into a truck on, through a window but he didn't but jump they were, into they were just jumping. Anything. he was just jumping up in the air while they were exactly. getting stopped. they were just jumping up shit. and down not harpo did a fucking somersault in the air i'm not yeah. saying they i'm not saying they used it well i'm just saying I, they had to i, okay, I had I'm so good. many questions during that scene one why do the super suits have capes do the capes help deflect the bullets i don't know it just seems like I a tactical I thought they would, yeah, they hold it in front of their heads. No, because when they, they're yeah. about to get shot, they take the time to put on these ski masks, which apparently yeah, are that, bulletproof. Like, and, and before that happened, that was my that was my first question was, well, the suits are bulletproof, but their heads are exposed, so this is going to be a real short fight. They all put the the, the masks on, except the except Tang, who was the who's in the front, who was the Shaw yeah. Brothers star, because who's, who's because. He's, whose face he's is the f- fucking star? Exactly. He's not going to come yeah. out. That that makes and I kind of I kind of had a sense of that. I was like, this isn't the main character, but I feel like he has to be like a bigger name. That's why he's not putting on the mask. He was the one whose face on the poster was selling tickets in Asia. But yeah, so yeah, so we're faced with a thing where this this kung fu gang. And by the way, the, the we never meet the the leader of the kung fu gang, but we're told he is the deadliest martial artist around, and his name is Jimenez. Yeah, we never did meet Jimenez, did we? I know. I feel like he he was the guy in the in the very first scene who drugged the one cop. He didn't, and then we never saw. Oh, he didn't seem. Maybe you're right. He certainly didn't seem like a deadly martial artist. He seemed like a overweight Italian guy. But yeah, whatever. Okay, why not? Sure. Let's, but but let's he never shows up again. No, he never right. shows up again. And then the bad guys who were wearing the the black pajamas because they're the bad guys. 
who are who do nothing but boast of their martial arts prowess through the whole film and break boards and intimidate and beat uh, stupid Tom Selleck up for the second time in the movie. He gets beaten up to a bloody <laughs> yeah. pulp twice. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying it seemed like uh, they were out of fresh ideas. These guys show up to the fight with guns, with machine guns, in fact. And our heroes, our Western heroes, our, our, our FBI lead agent show up with uh, Halloween costumes and Kung Fu fights. So... It's they went native hard <laughs> and fast. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like again, it's crisscross. I feel for all the research they did on like Watergate and Nixon and shit like that because it was timely. They mixed up which ethnicity was supposed to have all the guns. I'm sure that happened. Or, you know, when they were they were just mimeographing the script. Somebody got the wrong page, and you know, yeah. <laughs> I will acknowledge. I will not agree. <laughs> and I will only grudgingly admit, but I will acknowledge that this movie is a spoof and a comedy. That was their intention. Do I <laughs> do I agree with that? No, I think they're desperately, desperately wrong and horribly, horribly misguided. Nevertheless, <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to make sense. And, and if you try to make sense of it, they'll just say it was a comedy. See, now I'm doing the offensive accent. This movie is rotting my brain. Ugh. It's a me, a Mario. It's a comedy. Yeah. That's, that's where it's, we've, yeah, we've sunk that low. Sorry, people. Merry Christmas, folks. <laughs> let's all Look just, let's done, all, Jeff. let's just go watch indie watch porn. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Harrison Ford, what? <laughs> I don't want to watch you know, Harrison Ford watch porn. <laughs> that, I feel like that would be Tommy Wiseau's Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> Indiana Jones. And the, never mind. I'm going to stop right yeah. now. I'm not going any further. That's a whole new you're, area. You're, 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 not, you're not, you're not going to say the Temple of Poon, are you? <laughs> you did it so I don't have to. Thank That's you. That's why I'm here. What are friends for? <laughs> All right. Oh my god! I just—I think I just broke something from laughing. All right. So <laughs> before Jeff the dies, raptured me. <laughs> get get some acupuncture. Cures everything. Yeah, it'll fix you right oh, up. It'll be oh, fine. good. That'll, that'll that'll help my migraines, my 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 urinary tract infection, and my irritable bowels. I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah only... you got you got the black plague. Oh, acupuncture just fix you right up. <laughs> Based on this <laughs> film. Like, you ever see the uh, the what was it the big fat Greek wedding movie where the the father in law is just spraying oh. Windex on everything yeah. as a miracle cure? No, <laughs> acupuncture way better than Windex. Based on this film, <laughs> based on this film, the only thing that um, acupuncture cannot cure are laxative and fart jokes. <laughs> Otherwise, oh yeah, that was the best. But the, the 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 other thing that I did not want to see in this movie. There are three. There were three things in this movie that ranked right up there with some shots in a Serbian film as to things that I have seen that I will never unsee. <laughs> the first one is stupid Tom Selleck in the speedo. Granted, it was a short sh shot, but it was damaging enough. the The second one was not Lloyd Kaufman on the crapper playing the violin. <laughs> True, I agree with you. But you know what actually reconciled me to the speedo scene? What had me like an hour later thinking that was a golden age and I missed it 
when all I had to do was look at this guy with his speedo. That was the worst thing they were showing me. Uh, I learned from this film that a porn stash poking out of a superhero mask remains one of the most mildly nauseating things offered to view since the invention of moving pictures. Oh, no, there is one thing worse. I can think I, of one I have thing a feeling worse. I know what it is. Not Harpo and Drag. Oh, ah! right. All right. So, this is, we're going to disagree on this. Because by, just before that happened, this movie had kind of lost me. And not then Harpo they, and Drag they, they got you not, back. And then they put Not Harpo in a dress, and I was like, all right, I'm back in. Okay. This is, this is right. Okay. Let, right. let, let's be accurate, though. It wasn't a dress. It was a uh, it was a skirt and blouse. He, he was wearing a stewardess uh, uniform, yep. and he was rocking it. He, you could tell he felt pretty. Yeah, he was enjoying. Yeah, it. yeah he was definitely. No, I, I was into not throwing a dress. I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm back in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, because I have a feeling like we could go on. Endlessly, which is kind of what the movie does. Um, yeah. And because it really doesn't stop and doesn't go anywhere. And uh, Until we, only, it ends. We, only, we only know it's over because the theme song is playing, except this time it's in Italian. Let's go to Fascinating and Irritating. And let's start with Jeff. Um, I think the fascinating thing for me was honestly, it was at the end of it. As bad as the film this is, I, I had fun watching it. Okay. I was genuinely surprised that by the end of the film, in spite of everything, that I was I was giggling. I was in a good mood. I wasn't angry about watching the film. I did not feel like my soul had been ripped out like certain films that we have watched that shall remain nameless. <laughs> um, I actually did. I, I enjoyed myself watching it, which I... Granted, I thought it was going to happen, but then I got kind of worried towards the middle. But at the end, I'm like, all right, this was fun. It was a piece of shit, but it was a fun piece of shit. It was Roger's piece of shit from American Dad, that golden crusted thing. <laughs> the irritating thing for me was the mugging. Just, just the mugging. Both, both not Harpo when he was not doing just the mugging and not the physical stuff. And especially the mugging from the consulate. That just... Made me want that was what started sucking the life out of me, but only those two bits. Yeah, I could tell that. Yeah, I could tell that hurt you, hurt you hard. Hurt it you. did, it did, it did. All right, Indy, fascinating or not, ne- not even necessarily fascinating, but enjoyable. Definitely the soundtrack, like, <laughs> it, like the whole way through, as, as much as the rest of the movie, like, either wasn't landing with me or was boring me, I was like, you know what. There's some funky jams going on here. I'm into it. I actually want this soundtrack. <laughs> Ir- irritating, honestly, probably just like the meanderingness of it, especially like from the middle into the last half. It didn't feel like, scripted, it, it, did it? It felt like they no, didn't have a script. It didn't. No. It just felt like they were wandering from scene to scene and like they kept going. Like, how many times did not Tom Selleck go back to the consulate being like, hey, I need the code for the safe? Yeah, five like that happened at least two or three times and yeah yeah so like yeah the meanderingness of it kind of took me out of it and again up until not harpo showed up in a dress randomly like that that's finally what pulled me back in Rand- random seems to be the word <clears throat> excuse me yes that best describes random. everything about this movie um yes. fascinating for me is is uh and fascinating just means i think in this case perplexing uh, they they insist the movie and the characters in the movie 
insist that stupid Tom Selleck is the biggest moron in the FBI, as you point out, which sets us up for a bumbling Inspector Clouseau type who will pratfall his way through the plot. And he's actually the straight man. All the comedy. Yeah. yeah all the comedy, which I guess is what I can call it because words don't mean anything anymore. Um, <laughs> is supplied by the console and, uh, Jerry, that's, that's his name, Jerry, the, uh, not Harpo. That's right. Yeah, Jerry. Bargain basement Harpo. Um, so it just left me as the film unwound kind of wondering what the hell that was all about. And, and did they like script it and then just decide, Oh, well we'll fill it in. He'll provide funny stuff. And then they got there and found out he was a stiff and they just said, all right, well you handle the plot. Uh, go talk to the console again. It's only been five times. We really need right. another scene. <laughs> Honestly, like, and, and that kind of lends itself to the randomness too. It felt almost like they got whoever did the dubbing just got the movie and didn't have a script, so they had to make up the lines. I thought the most uh, annoying thing, and and th- this goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier. The most annoying thing about uh, not Harpo, I thought. I, well, here's the thing. I actually thought he was going to be the most. I thought he was going to be as irritating to me as Jeff expected he would. And as and as he clearly was to Jeff, but he actually had some decent action bits, and you know I I have to admit that casting a stuntman as a mute has a long history, going back to the movies Burt Lancaster did with his old uh, circus partner Nick Cravat. So mm. I'll allow it. Um, the most. Thank you. I, I'm I'm glad you allow it. All right. The American Consul, however. <laughs> Is, as we said, played for laughs by a French actor who mugs, postures, and attitudinizes, uh, but who does have his softer, more endearing side. Um, For instance, you know, he fetishizes a photo of Nixon, plays the violin while on the toilet to cover his poop noises. And unlike every other man in the mod hair 1970s, he sports a hairstyle that says, I've recently had chemotherapy. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that was uh whenever he showed up on screen i thought well there's going to be some energy and some hate he'll supply one i'll supply the other <laughs> and with that let's wave a not at all reluctant farewell to <laughs> superman against the orient 1973. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. All right. Jeff and I will be back shortly with another episode. And until later, later. Bye, Indy. Thanks, Cindy. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) End it there, Scott. I was here the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sono ping pong, il furore di Hong Kong, picchio, strappo, spezze, faccio male. Sono ping pong, il più temuto di Hong Kong, io non mando mai all'ospedale. Solo al forno crematorio, o qualche volta all'obitorio. E tiro un po' di spezzo, ti trancio, ti squatto, ti sgozzo, ti piego, e poi ti raddrizzo, ti strippo, ti strappo, ti smembro, ti stroppio, ti sgrullo, ti frullo, con te mi trastullo, ti caccio due dita negli occhi, eh! ti impilo in bocca ai ginocchi, yeah! faccio nel ventre un traforo, eh! ti asporto pudella e pi-
male Sono ping pong il più temuto di Hong Kong Io non mando mai all'ospedale Solo al forno crematorio O qualche volta all'obitorio It's going to come out. All of my lines are going to be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> he was never there at all. That was the twist. <laughs>